This podcast contains graphic information regarding true crime and may not be appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the second episode of Forensic Miles. This is Miles. Hey guys, it's Sean. Got a good one for you. Today we're going to be covering the Excedrin poisonings. Now you might be thinking, oh, that happened in Chicago, right? Nope, that was the Tylenol poisonings, which we will be talking about. But today we're going to be covering the Excedrin poisonings, which is a whole can of worms within itself. Hope you guys like worms. Have you seen that movie, How to Eat Fried Worms? Ugh. Yeah, I know. It was kind of a gross movie. <laughs> okay, let's get into the case. On the morning of June 11th, 1986, Paul Webkin took two extra-strength Excedrin capsules. A few minutes later, his wife, Sue Snow, also grabbed the same bottle and took two extra-strength Excedrin. Six hours later, she was found collapsed in her home by her 15-year-old daughter. And within a few hours, she was dead. During her autopsy, a technician at the King County Medical Examiner's Office noticed something about her body. And this is something that I kind of find incredible. Do you know what it was? Mm, No. So it was a smell. It was a smell that was coming from Sue Snow's body. Do you know what that smell was? I'm sure if you think back to all the episodes of Forensic Files, you can figure it out. Mm, probably some kind of poisoning? It was, but she wasn't smelling the poison. What she was smelling was bitter almonds. And the smell of bitter almonds means cyanide. And the really cool and interesting thing about this is that not everybody can smell this bitter almond smell. It takes a very, I don't know, special person to have that talent. And really, I don't think you have any option. You either have the sense of smell or you don't. And so the it's so lucky that this particular medical examiner was on duty that day so that she was able to pick up on this smell. Otherwise, they would have never known that Sue had died from um, poisoning. Yeah. I mean, I just figured most dead bodies just smelled like a regular old dead body. Okay. Gross. <laughs> Moving on. So right now, Sue's just dead, but what's going on with Paul? So nothing happened to Paul. Incredibly, Paul was not poisoned at all. Hmm. So he took the two pills. Within a couple of hours, his wife takes the two pills. And a couple hours later, she's dead. He's not. And from what I know about cyanide poisoning, it does happen rather quickly. Um, And, you know, I don't think there was anything that Sue could have done, even if she knew that she was being poisoned by cyanide. It was all the same bottle? It was all the same bottle. Hmm. So after the autopsy investigators, um, or after the autopsy, investigators searched the Snow household and found that the cyanide was obviously from the bottle of Excedrin. 
the media went absolutely crazy about this case, um, especially when a second bottle of tampered capsules were found um, at a store. I, I think it was called um, Stop and Save or something like that. Um, anyway, manufacturers of Excedrin immediately decided to recall the products and came together with a group of other drug companies to offer a $300,000 reward for information. So right now there are two tampered bottles, the one from Stu's house and the one that was found on the shelves of, um, this business. With all the media and the publicity about Sue's death, a woman came forward stating that her husband had passed away from unexpected causes, and they happened to have two bottles of Excedrin in their house. And these bottles ended up being the same exact lot number as that of Sue Stowe's. Dum, dum, dum. Yes. So really, when they found out that, you know, Sue Snow's bottle was tampered with, they did promote the lot numbers. So obviously she was able to connect this and thought, hey, maybe my husband didn't die from natural causes. Maybe this was something else. So this woman's name was Stella Nickel, and she said that she had purchased these two bottles from separate stores, and neither of these stores was the same store as the one where Sue had purchased her bottle. So this is kind of now interesting. How many bottles are out there that are being tampered with? And, you know, what are they going to do to protect people who already have them on their shelves or who, who are currently buying them or the stores that haven't been quick enough in taking them um, out of the store? Yeah. It takes a pretty sick person to do something like this. Right. But we don't know what's happening yet. So she starts to tell, you know, the story about how her husband dies. So Bruce Nickel was 52 years old and he died on June 4th. So this is only a couple days before um, Sue Snow died. Sue Snow died on July or June 11th, sorry. So there was no actual proof that Bruce had swallowed these pills um, because, you know, he had died many, many days before Stella had come forward and said that, you know, there might be a connection, um, but like, there, they couldn't like exhume his body and test for it. Well, I'm not sure if they could have, but they didn't at this point. And so there was no real proof here. Um, but she just had this inkling that he had taken the pills because he was suffering from back pain and, you know, the lot numbers connected. So obviously it, it had to be related. Um, now these, Pills that we're talking about, these Excedrin pills, are pull-apart pills. So if you think about it, they're, they're two parts. They've got, you know, powder on the inside. Um, so immediately, stores started getting, you know, rid of these products and contacting the manufacturer. Um, because these at the time, these stores would get the products directly from the manufacturer. So there was no real third party in between. So they really thought that, you know... Where was this? Where was this poisoning coming from? If it wasn't coming from the manufacturer level, um, on June twenty fifth, the manu manufacturer of an acid asked all the stores around the Seattle area to remove capsules from the shelves, along with warnings urging customers not to use an acid or Excedrin just as a precaution, as they had not found any more 
pills by that point or tampered bottles at that point, but they just wanted to make sure that people knew that there was a potential threat. And I did read an article in a newspaper that said, um, somebody commented and said they could not believe that people still had Excedrin on their shelves at home. And they could not believe how many people hadn't heard of this. Um, and it was really, you know, it was a really scary time. So the FDA found cyanide in the bottle um, at, oh, it's called Pay and Save in Seattle. And this was the fifth bottle they had found in the two-week period between um, Sue's death and this investigation. Um, So the five bottles include the two bottles that were linked to to the deaths. So at this point, the FDA had tested more than 150,000 drug capsules in the week after the death, or I believe it was the two weeks after the death. So the FDA, they're using what's called the mass spectrometer, which personal favorite of mine, because this thing is no joke. (laughs) I mean, it's going to find you. It is a very cool machine. So the county medical examiner's office announced that they would be looking at all other suspicious deaths that had happened between the months of January and June to see if they were also connected to any sort of, um, you know, cyanide poisoning along with the search for other tamper, other, the other tampered bottles, the FBI was testing nickel and snow's bottles for fingerprints. They noticed that, uh, and while, you know, and al- while they were doing all these tests on nickel and snow's bottles, they noticed that out of the 56 remaining capsules, there are 60 capsules in a bottle. In Sue's, there were only three that contained significant amount of cyanide. So what is that? Three, and then Sue probably took two. So that would have been five cyanide-filled capsules, and then her husband was lucky enough to get the top two that weren't contaminated. That's some Russian roulette. I know. Um, and then there were, there was only one tampered um, cyanide capsule found in Bruce's bottle. Yeah. But how many did he take? Well, I'm not quite sure, but I think later it said that he took four. So that would make sense. There were five and five in each of the bottles. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I want to say here, and this is when I'm going to bring up the 1982 Tylenol po- poisonings in Chicago, which is an unsolved case, and seven people died of this poisoning. Um, Johnson & Johnson spent over $1 billion to create tamper-proof packaging. And I'm just kind of asking... After that happened, I mean, this was a few years before the Excedrin poisonings. Why wouldn't all the drug companies follow suit and, you know, create tamper-proof packaging? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's definitely their job and not us as a consumer, I wouldn't say. At the very least, make it safe so that, you know, you would be able to see if somebody had actually tampered with the product. They also discovered something else that was interesting. After Bruce's death and before Snow's death, Stella had repeatedly disputed the doctor's ruling that the death was of natural causes. Uh Uh-oh. I mean, I understand that there are definitely cases where you need to dispute it. You don't understand it. You don't believe it. And you definitely don't think it's the right ruling. 
but this is all starting to kind of load on to Stella. It is definitely adding up against her. So while they're searching through Nichols' purchase records and receipts, they find something else. A purchase of algae destroyer. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. At a local fish store. So the investigators are starting to speculate that whatever Nichols used to crush the cyanide, she must have used to crush this, the algae destroyer before. And that's how the algae destroyer was mixed in with the cyanide. Disturbing. Yeah. So now they definitely are, are really seeing Nichols for this. So Nickel finally agrees to take a lie detector test and fails. However, the investigators don't really have any concrete evidence proving that Nickel had purchased cyanide or had obtained it in some other way. The only connection that they had was this algae destroyer and the fact that she had two bottles, which, you know, I don't know the statistics of that. I personally think it's very unlikely, but I don't know. It could have happened, you know. She could be a completely innocent person and had just happened to buy two Bottles of cyanide tampered, etc. Yeah. I don't know. And as we learned before, the uh, lie detector tests are, you know, they're not foolproof. No, exactly. Not at all. But investigators were about to get a big break. In January 1987, Cindy Hamilton, which is Stella's daughter and Bruce Nichols' stepdaughter, came forward with a suspicion that her mother might have been involved in the death of Bruce and Sue. Now, Cindy was, you know, I, I, I don't think that she had a very good relationship with her. We'll hear later on that um, Stella was convicted of child abuse and beating towards Cindy. Um, but Cindy did and live. She, and she still was, like, protecting her mom? Well, it's her mom. I don't know, but she, she did live with her, um, and, and raise her daughter, I believe in a trailer next to, um, that of Stella and Bruce's. Uh, but she said that she had waited all of this time to come forward because she was scared for her mother and wanted to protect. Once they had heard this information from Cindy, investigators kind of went full on investigating Stella for this for this poisonings. And they found that she had rented a book on poisonings from the library in as early as 1984 and hadn't returned it. And on another book that they found, um, which was actually in her trailer, on the page about cyanide poisoning, they found 84 fingerprints of Stella's fingerprints and three palm prints. So clearly she had looked at this book and studied it for quite a long time. I've been missing for a while. Yes. When Stella was finally brought to trial, history came to light and some very interesting information came out. Stella's daughter, Cindy, testified that her mother had discussed copying the Tylenol poisonings on multiple occasions and she had said that it would have been easy to recreate it and it would have been a safe and inexpensive way to kill her husband bruce did we is cyanide just like how do you even come about that honestly i'm not even sure i i don't know that's a really good question and if any of you guys out there know not that we're looking but really is it a very difficult thing to come by or can anybody you know, buy it. I mean, I'm sure you can't buy it at a store, but I don't know, maybe like for high school classes. I don't know any reason that you would need cyanide. I'm not sure. 
Anyway, Stella had said that it would be easy doing this poisoning and putting it in the pills because people aren't looking for people putting things back on the shelves. They're looking for people who are taking them off. In other words, they're not looking for somebody who's, you know, just putting things away. They're looking for thieves, people taking things with them. So she really thought that she would get away with this. Um, And Cindy's mother had, or Stella, had also discussed killing her husband on at least four other occasions. And she had specifically said that it was to collect on his insurance money. And but she needed somebody else to also die to claim the extra money. Well, we'll get there. Cindy said that in 1986, Stella had discussed hiring a hitman to kill her husband, but decided that it would be too expensive. She mused about putting cocaine in his iced tea and play it off as an overdose because Bruce was a recovering alcoholic and she had kind of come up with this whole narrative in his head that he had switched from alcohol to drugs and that was overdosing on drugs and that's how he died. But she ended up dropping the idea because Bruce had an upcoming physical for his job and if drugs were found in his system, he would have lost his job and also his state insurance policy. So in the end, it would have come back to bite her in the butt. You know, it does. It did, but... It better. <laughs> Cindy said that she believed her mother was capable of doing something like this, but she had really, really hoped that she hadn't or that she wouldn't have gone through with it. She said that after her stepfather had passed away, Stella had come up to her and looked at her and said, no, it wasn't what you think, assuming that Stella th- or that Cindy thought that her mother had killed her husband. So this is dating back far, and clearly Cindy had these assumptions for a long time before she came forward. That's crazy. When Stella was on the stand, she ended up coming forward and really giving her full story of what happened. She said that she had tried to poison her husband once before by putting black seeds in capsules and giving it to him with his morning vitamins. But the black seeds didn't end up being poisonous and didn't end up killing him. Mm. Cindy you know, kind of talked about how her mother had briefly considered divorce, but that she decided that she wasn't willing to lose half of what she had fought so hard for. And that, you know, her mother and her stepfather had kind of separated and become more disconnected throughout the years. I mean, that seems like a way better alternative than the route she ended up going down. Yes. Divorce, divorce. Um, but You know, it said that Stella had this perception of herself, you know, this is mentioned in Forensic Files, of her being such a beautiful, wonderful, foxy lady. And she wanted to be on the town. She wanted to be alone and live her life the way she wanted. And she wanted the money to do it. And at this point, her husband, you know, and her were not getting along very well. And she wanted out. Obviously, any normal person would just say divorce. But... Clearly, Clearly, not what she thought. Clearly, she's not a normal person. (laughs) True. Stella's honesty didn't stop there, though. While she was on the stand, she decided to tell the story of how she killed her husband. On June 4th, Bruce came home and kissed his wife. He then told her he had a headache and proceeded to reach for the extra strength Excedrin. 
At this point, Stella had already laced some of the pills, so it was only a matter of time before he took one that would end his life. She watched her husband take four pills, watch TV for a bit, and then take a short stroll on his patio. From the patio, Stella hears Bruce calling her, calling out. He said, babe, I feel like I'm going to pass out. At this, he collapsed, unable to speak. Stella called emergency services and Bruce was brought to the hospital. Upon arrival, Stella was asked to come to Bruce's bedside and keep him company. But she declined, saying that she was too upset and frazzled about the situation. I know. Sick. I know. Within hours, Bruce was dead. But there was one problem. Bruce's cause of death was documented as natural causes. And if she wanted that extra $100,000 from his life insurance, she needed it to be documented as, as accidental. So she needed more. So she needed to come up with a plan. She purchased a number of extra strength Excedrin and Anacid 3 and filled some capsules with cyanide. She sealed the containers, re-glued the boxes, and stuck them on the shelves. Now, these were not done very well. I mean, but it was well enough for somebody like Sue Snow, who by all accounts was paid attention to detail. She would have noticed if something was off about these bottles, but she didn't, which means that they must have looked really good. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't notice just like, you know, a small little difference. Mm -mm. I would only, I mean, I don't know how she'd get the seal back on and close the box and everything though. I really don't know either. But what I do know is that Sue Snow was just a random killing who was just brought into this whole story and this relationship because Stella wanted money. And I think that is so heartbreaking. This wonderful, beautiful woman and Bruce, he had his whole life to live. Sue did too with her daughter and her family. And she was taken by this horrible woman, Stella Nichol. Nickel ended up being convicted of causing death by product tampering and was the first person brought to trial and convicted for this charge under federal law. She was described as an icy human being without a conscience. In June, she was brought before a judge with a huge smile on her face, and the judge had no pity for her. He ended up sentencing her to 90 years in prison. Wow. I mean, that was like, Tampering and a, a straight-up murder. Absolutely. That's, I mean, I don't know how she would, how she didn't just get, like, death sentence. I don't know either. But I will say that this 90-year prison sentence is longer than the last case we did, which was only 50 years. Jeez. Yeah. Anyway, let me know what you think about this case. Comment in my post um, on Instagram. And let me know if you guys find anything interesting about um, about this that I didn't cover. Okay, and now for what you guys have all been waiting for, the giveaway. I am so excited to announce the winner. Drumroll, please. <laughs> and the winner of the our first giveaway is Leprechaun Soul. 
All right, so I'm going to reach out to you, um, Leprechaun Soul, and I will send you your package. We'll get that all ready. But don't fret because I actually have another giveaway. Now, I'm going to call these my wool giveaways. What? Wool giveaways. What? And this is how we're going to do it. They're really small. I'm posting some pictures on Instagram so you can see what you're going to be getting. They're two pins. And how you enter is you're going to comment on that picture of this episode on Instagram. And you're going to comment. What do you think they should comment? Um, peanut butter. Peanut. Comment peanut butter on my picture. And you're automatically entered for this. And I'm going to choose the winner tomorrow, um, which is going to be 1221. And I will message you. Okay? Yay, I'm so excited, and thank you guys all for being here for our second episode.